peace be to you. Henry the Cardinal Marino. Let us begin with a question. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Curiously Catholic and Evangelion Production, and we are live on Facebook. So thank you all those of you that are listening live. We will also be posting this on our podcast, Curiously Catholic, so check that out on all podcast apps. Uh, we'll also be going on to our YouTube channel. So Evangelion has just gone onto YouTube, so check us out. Evangelion sharing the truth and love and subscribe and click the bell so you get all the notifications and all that cool stuff uh, and also for those of you that may not know who we are check us out evangelion.co.nz but as I said this is the Curious Catholic podcast and we have the mission of trying to pick the brains of Catholic enthusiasts from around the world to get to the bottom of how to truly live as a Catholic in contemporary times. My name is Dominic Malagieri and I am joined in this episode by Father Mark Mary from Ascension Presents. Hi, Father Mark. Hey, Dom. What's going on? Well, a lot. I'm currently talking to a Franciscan friar from the other side of the world. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, though, I like that we had a little prayer right before, right? Asking God to, to bless mm. the, uh, the connection. Very, very 2021 evangelization prayer right there. <laughs> Yeah, my uh, technology just gives me so much anxiety. I just need to give it over to God, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, uh, props to whoever picked uh, picked that song, the kind of like the waiting song. That was that was a vibe. I was uh, yeah. I was enjoying that. Yeah, that was actually created by a friend of mine, Eli Moore. You should check out his music. He's really good. Um, and yeah, he mixed in some uh, Bishop Fulton Sheen talks in there. So that's pretty cool. So uh, as we start up every, every as we start off every episode, uh, we want to get to know you a bit more. Uh, a few people uh, already know you. A friend of mine, Jemima, was crazy about the fact that I was actually going to talk to you in some sort of real time. Um, so shout out to Jemima. And um, but you are a Franciscan friar of the Renewal, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Out. Uh, we're mostly. I'm currently in Harlem, New York. Um, the, the friars that we started kind of in, in the Bronx, New York, and now we've, we spread out a little bit from, from there. So we're in, we're in Europe, we're in England, we're in Ireland, we're in, uh, Central America as well. Yeah. Any plans to come to New Zealand? I would love to, <laughs> no, but at this point, <laughs> at this point, not, not that I'm aware of, but you never know. Uh, you never know. Okay, cool. Um, just to get to know you a bit more. Uh, obviously, you're a Catholic. You're a, a Franciscan friar. But um, how did you be become Catholic? Were you a cradle Catholic? Were you a convert? Um, how do you become? How do you become a monk or a friar? Which one? How do you say it? Monk or a friar? Te technically, we're friars. But generally, when I'm first explaining it to somebody, I'll use the word monk because people have a better idea what a monk is than a friar. You know. Uh, but te technically, we're friars. But uh, I'm not going to correct somebody if they use one or the other. Um, and I guess kind of, as you guessed it, like, uh, one isn't born a friar. Like it takes, it takes a little bit of a journey for you to get to this place. And that was mine, my story. I'm from, from Southern California, from Orange County, California. Um, so again, like part of part, like I was really, I'm like, just even your style, the way you guys are talking, it's like, it, it, there's a bit of like a, an Orange County feel to it, uh, a little bit of a beachy, beachy vibe. So I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying this, this time with you. It's like taking me home very different than New York city. Um, 
but you know, like, so, so Catholic, so it's my, my parents, uh, it kind of come from my, my dad's a pretty successful lawyer. So it came from kind of like, like I was kind of like, a, I call it like a country club kid. Cause like, uh, we had a membership at, at a golf club and, you know, like it was kind of a private club and could go and just like throw whatever I wanted on like the, the, the number and like not have to give them any money. And they'd like, you know, I was like 10 and the guys working, they were like, okay, here you go, Mr. Ames. Um, but that, that was like a little bit of my background. We were Catholic, but, um, and I was kind of like, basically what happened is this is like, I was in high school. I kind of got into it a little bit more. Um, but I had this idea that like, um, like Catholicism, like my faith is like part, part of my life, but like, don't get crazy, you know, like, um, like you can, you can, you can go to mass on Sunday. Uh, you can say prayers before you go to bed and you can like help the poor, but like, you don't want it to affect too much of your life. And you like definitely don't want to be weird. Um, and so that was like, that was, that was just where I was at. And I thought it was basically, I, I thought I was like dynamic by like doing one thing Friday night, Saturday night, doing a different thing, like Sunday morning. I thought that made me like a, a well-rounded person. And I was in college. I went to college out in LA and it was like my first, my very first semester, I was at a dorm party with a woman who said like a, a, another freshman who said she was a cat or an atheist. And I was like, how can you not believe like it just like, and I started like defending the word of God and all this sort of stuff. And um, it just hit me like in like a really deep way. The Holy Spirit just like rocked me. And it was like, I just knew I the, basically the word was this, like you believe and it needs to affect the rest of your life. And so that was where I just kind of threw the doors wide open to the Lord. And it's like, I really do believe this. I really do believe this. And so I'm open to allowing like the Lord to like, I'm, Jesus, I'm allowing you to speak truth into all areas of my life. Like I'm all in. Um, and so that was kind of the, the first big turning point. And then I heard somebody talking about Mother Teresa. And I just, again, like the Lord just rocked me. And I knew I was made to give my life to the poorest of the poor and that nothing else would satisfy. And so I was looking for a place to like to be a missionary. And then like, I just learned more about the sacraments, particularly the Eucharist and confession. And so I, the desire to be a priest started to well up. And so I was looking for a place to work with the poor, to be a priest. And um, we have this place, like this burger chain called In-N-Out Burger, which is kind of like a, a West Coast of the, of the United States kind of thing. And I was just like at In-N-Out Burger with a couple friends after this young adult meeting. And there's one guy who's just there, like I only met him that one time. He's like, there's this group of friars in New York who are like hardcore, they sleep on the ground, they serve the poor. And for my, I was like 19 at the time. And I was like, that's the most intense thing, the most like all in thing I'd heard of at that point. And that's kind of where I was at as a 19 year old. So I looked, I looked the friars up that night, read what we were about. And basically it was, if this is, if this is really who they are, this is everything I'm looking for. And so that was, that was a, yeah, that was when I was about 19, I ended up finishing college, doing some missionary work in like, uh, in South Africa. And then after I graduated, I, um, I, yeah, I entered the friars in 2009. Yeah. So it sounds like you went from a, a pretty secular life, like a very, I guess what we call normal, maybe privileged, but it sounded like they had to turn around pretty quickly. Um, when you went to college, it was, was it straight after that conversation with that atheist that you were like, actually, no, I need to, or was it, that was the beginning of a kind of a buildup? You know, things happen pretty quick. And I think that's because like for the, like my family was great. And so the soil, like the soil was really good. 
And I did, like, I believed and I went to youth group and I was a part of that stuff. But I had this just one, this one thing basically that had to like, this one lie that need the Lord like needed to like break in through, which was basically like, are you going to give me permission to like be part, like be all your life or just part of your life? And so as soon as that mm. clicked, as soon as that clicked, I, like that door, as soon as I gave the Lord like complete permission, he moved very quickly. And so all of that from that first conversation with the atheist to desiring to be a friar happened probably within six months. So it did happen pretty quick. Wow. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Cause I've, I found that like asking this question, I get all sorts of different responses. Like, um, but there's always one, uh, bar maybe one or two examples is always rather, whether the cradle Catholics or a convert, there's always a one moment. It's like I was Catholic. I was Catholic my whole life, but then, this happened or like i didn't yeah. believe in god at all but then this happened um so like in that sense i feel like we're all converts really and i guess we're called to daily conversion um mm -hmm. but yeah would you say you know is there much of a juxtaposition between your family and yourself now because obviously you see from country club to you know uh, franciscan friary it's like there's a bit of a leap but it's similar isn't it similar to the leap that like you know saint francis himself made yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, like St. Francis is, so St. Francis was, yeah, kind of like probably middle class, maybe upper middle class, like son of a merchant. And he starts selling the, like the fabric is like dad stuff to give, to help out the poor. And, uh, and Francis's father, St. Francis's father had a big problem with it, with his vocation. And there's no real evidence that he had a change of heart. Like it seemed like he kind of like disowned St. Francis when he went kind of the path he went. Um, mine was a little bit different. Like, again, I was freshman year of college. I was, I was in LA and I, my parents were down in Orange County, which is like maybe a two hour drive. And uh, I met with them one morning after I kind of felt like the call and I explained what I was thinking. And they basically said a couple of things, which was like, first of all, um, like we're going to support you no matter what. We're going to support you no matter what. My dad definitely says like, this isn't what I would have chosen for you. Um, but, but I'm going to support you. And then I think, and I was young too. So it's like, don't hurry. They kind of encouraged me, which I think was prudent. Um, but also, right. It's like, we don't, in Southern California, we don't really have like religious who wear the habit and ha like kind of go all in. Mm. And so it's like, it looks a little bit culty, right? It looks a little bit like suspect. And, and so I think um, they didn't like really push hard, but I think they were like suspicious. And um, what my parents' story is pretty much the same as most parents' stories if they have an issue is once they come out and they meet like the brothers and they see kind of like how we actually live and treat each other, there's like a lot of the fear goes away because it's like, oh, these are good guys. These are normal guys. These are healthy guys. And they like, yeah, they care about each other. And so for, the, for, for my parents, I think, some of those visits early on uh, did a did a lot. Mm, that's cool. So I guess I guess it's that you know that it's that encounter that we have with with Christ and and but like the Christ in each of us, you know, um, the friars can do that in a very visible way in their habits. But I suppose that's something that we all have the opportunity to do for everyone around us. Say, yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Mm. So did, has, has it changed your family much? Um, have they kind of become more Franciscan in any way or? 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, we still have we still have the uh, the BMWs and the Mercedes and the stuff in the in the garage. So it's not like it. I don't. I wouldn't say they've gone more Franciscan, but I think uh, certainly <laughs> the more more Christian kind of because um, it's a real thing, right? Like when you're. So I'm one of two. I'm the I'm the I'm the youngest. Like when your son, your only son, starts thinking about becoming a priest and becomes a priest and religious, like just the God question becomes like a regular question. And so um, like both of my parents, their faith from now, like from 10 years ago or 11 years ago to now, or it's almost been, I guess, yeah, 15 years ago to now, I think they've come like a significant distance as well. And not so much through me, like having tough conversations or preaching at them, but just because of experiencing the life with the brothers, but also like just the fact that I think it's made them kind of like, yeah, just own their own faith as well more. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that's kind of like, you know, at Evangelion, that's our like mission to bring, um, <clears throat> to bring God to the people. And like, I think the only way to do that is like, the like catchphrase that I've kind of come up with is you've got to live a life that's both confusing and attractive at the same time. So, you know, it doesn't scare people off, but it's, it's, confusing enough to make them hang around enough with you long enough to ask, start asking questions themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah, we gotta, yeah, we yeah, gotta we be different. To... Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool because like, I was just thinking, um, this fits in with like the, another ministry that I've, I've been running for seven years called encounter. And I actually emailed you about this, uh, maybe three years ago. Cause you run a Catholic underground. Do you still do that? Mm -hmm. So I, I, I do not run it at this point. I might, it looks like I might be getting back involved, but at this point I'm not. Yeah. 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 So what, just for the people that don't know what that is, what's uh, what's Catholic underground. So Catholic underground, it's probably my favorite thing. My favorite evangelization thing that the friars do it's, and it's, I mean, it's okay. unbelievable. It's, it's in New York, it's in Manhattan. And, um, and the problem is like explaining it is sort of like giving you the lyrics without the music. Like you, it's just like, you kind of got to be there to really like feel it. Um, but it's, 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 it's Eucharistic adoration and this incredibly beautiful church led by music, which is just like right in, right in the pro, right in the right pocket for like leading towards prayer and intimacy. The church fills up. We probably get eight or 900 people. Um, it's once a month. So eight or 900 people. Um, and then we have maybe like 10 or 11 priests hearing confessions. And like, there's just lines up and down both sides of the church. And so like we counted it one time, it was, it was something like 175 people went to confession that in the, in the evening. Um, and then afterwards we go into like the church basement. So that the underground, and there's usually some sort of like Catholic musician kind of concert or show and a chance for kind of people, people to hang out. But it's just like the, the lighting, the beauty, the people, people singing, like people going to confession, everything together. It's just, it's pretty incredible. Mm, wow. Do you said eight or 900 people a month? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're everywhere. And they have to like sit in the aisles and whatnot. It's, it's also New York city and we have like 14 million people within driving distance. Okay. Right. So that, that does, mean, that does, <laughs> that does factor into it, but it is, it's like, a, it's overflowing. Yeah. yeah. Because we've got like, yeah, like I said, we run encounter, which for those in Auckland is happening tonight at 5 PM at St. Patrick's cathedral. So check it out. And like the maximum thing we've had there is 40. <laughs> but yeah, we try and do a similar thing where we, we try and bring all the sacraments to 
the people. So we bring out the Blessed Sacrament, we have benediction, there's confession, and we have a bit of formation from a speaker, and then we go to the pub afterwards where we can, you know, drink beer and have conversations. And, um, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a – because I experienced it first in London with the Friars um, in oh, – what's it called now? St. Patrick's Soho. And um, so I, I kind of took that model and I brought it with me to New Zealand just to bring uh, the Eucharist to the people. And it's, uh, it's a full it's, – yeah, it's really cool. It's a really cool uh, yeah. event that goes on. Yeah, if, if you – I suppose uh, it kind of a- brings – if you check out on YouTube, you like YouTube, Come Follow Me by Brother Isaiah. One of his, one of the songs, like we kind of did a music video around Catholic Underground, but it'll have, it'll let you have a chance to just sort of see a little bit of like what it actually looks like. That's cool. Yeah. So Come Follow Me on YouTube, eh? Yeah, by Brother Isaiah. All right. Okay. Um, so, um, this, well, this kind of brings me to, you know, what I want to get into with you, because you just read a book recently on, what's the title, on holiness? So Habits for Holiness is the name, yeah. Mm. And uh, I haven't managed to get all the way through it, but um, the, the, the the beginning of it really struck me when it's talking about the, the mendicant life and the the birthing of the, um, the Franciscan Fires of Renewal. Was it in the Bronx? That's the first place they went to, and you said it was like a war zone. Yeah, exactly. So it's like late eighties. We started in nineteen eighty-seven in the South Bronx, which again, like, there's a a full-on like Hollywood movie called Fort Apache, which is like a kind of around that police precinct in our neighborhood because it was the most dangerous in New York. And just the idea is like it really was a, like a legit like a war zone just with like the burnout buildings, the crime, the gangs, the violence, the drugs, all that sort of stuff, which is out of control. Um, but that's where, first of all, that's, that's just like ideal, like Franciscan soil. That's just like where, where Franciscans, like where we want to be. But I use that to start the book because I think it's important to like, like people look at the world, I think today. And, uh, and it can feel like it's one big Fort Apache. It can feel like the whole world's a war zone and like it's a mess. And the temptation could be to like, like total discouragement and despair. And I just want to mm-hmm. like, I start there to like, well, like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, let's like, let's take a second um, and look at our history as Christians and our most recent history as Franciscan Friars of the Newell. Like, no, like whatever's going on out there, like it's serious, but we can still follow Jesus. And you can still you can mm. still grow in holiness, and your family can still grow in holiness, um, but it doesn't happen by accident. And so it's like the whole point of the book is like, okay, like we can do this, and here's like here's here's the first best step. Like here's how we can do it. Yeah, because when I was reading that, I was just being like, oh my gosh, I relate so hard to this because of what we're doing with Evangelion. It's like we just there's there's a, there's a need, and we're just trying to fill it, but. Um, it does feel like we're going into an area where, you know, we have no idea what we're doing and we're just building up from the ground. And, but yeah, it is, I suppose I've always said like, for me, like chaos is my happy place. Cause when everything's in chaos, anything can happen. And I suppose if you're able to like, if you're able to uh, go forward strong enough, you can make something happen out of the chaos and maybe bring some sort of order. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I spent seven years working in uh, the Catholic chaplaincy in Auckland. And, you know, you know, that, that was kind of like my kind of 
daily experience of like you never knew who you who was going to come in what they were what they wanted or if anyone was going to come in and so like how do we how do we it's like it's like uh, the job description was you know go and go and be a chaplain see you later you know it was yeah. like okay we need yeah. some definition here yeah so dominic question for you like in the people that you're talking to particularly people of faith like do they do you pick up on a, a, like a spirit of discouragement or are they like is there a lot of hope or what's kind of the feel with the people kind of in, in your circle who you're talking to i think there is a well in my in my circle um because obviously i'm doing things like this podcast and yeah. evangelion and working with perusia there's there's a there's a um an excitement to um to ignite something which is already in the hearts of everybody um i guess um from my view from my viewpoint i can see there's a lot of people going to church but you know my question is is how many people are there you know experiencing the eucharist and so um for me it's a lot of excitement uh, i'm like wow you're here and there's this amazing thing happening uh you just need to, to push in the uh, right direction a little nudge here and a little more information here and all of a sudden you're going to be so excited as well mm-hmm. um so that's that's just from my own perspective and i guess um but i guess you know there are people that I've heard that are kind of like, kind of discouraged by, you know, uh, maybe people that aren't living their faith fully or discouraged by uh, things that are going on in, you know, the political world, um, mm-hmm. in, in the government. And it can get very disheartening. I mean, I've had to, I've had to stop looking into um, like the politics and stuff and uh, just cause it's, it just causes me anxiety and it takes my eyes off the gospel. But, um, yeah, so there is, there is also, I guess, a darkness or, a, you know, an apathy that people might have, um, towards the faith as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And cause like a lot of, like, I think in particular, I, um, I hear it a lot, maybe with like parents with like their children or young children. It's like, it's, you know, it's like, can I, like, like, how can I raise my children to actually have faith? Like, how can I keep them from becoming mm. like prodigal sons or daughters? Like, it's just, um, yeah, that, those, I, I pick it up like most acutely in that space. And, um, it's real. I mean, the, 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 the concern is real, but, but the grace that the Lord offers us and our capacity to follow him, like in, in the midst of the storm is, is, is more real mm. than the problems. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, personally on my journey, uh, God, God has been slowly opening me up to more and more. So up until 2019, I'd pretty much been living in a Catholic bubble. I converted when I was 22, and then I worked in a Catholic missionary community in London, and I worked in a chaplaincy for seven years in, in Auckland. And then I left the chaplaincy, and all of a sudden there wasn't adoration every day. There wasn't, you know, morning prayer with a group of people that wanted to pray it with me. You know, there wasn't running Bible studies. It was studying nursing with a bunch of people that I didn't know their faith. And so um, I was thinking when you said, you know, when you hear those Catholic mothers and fathers that are saying, how do I bring up my kids? You know, all of a sudden, well, also in 2019, I had we had my, my first daughter. And so I was, I'm not quite worried about her faith development yet. She's only just saying full sentences. So we've got a bit to go to worry about whether she believes in God yet. But um I was in this cohort of a hundred people studying to become a nurse and like, I just felt like on my heart, it's like, 
if I leave this course and I haven't shared the gospel with these people, I failed. And um, so I started, it's like, okay, how do I preach the gospel without terrifying everyone or making everyone hate Catholicism? And I felt, I found God was presenting me with people. And initially I, I was, I was make, making friends with people that were Christian, but they weren't Catholic. And I was like, okay, I'll talk to them about Catholicism in a compelling way. And that was kind of easy because we had like a base level. Like we both believed in God. We both liked the, you know, read the scriptures. That's cool. But then all of a sudden I'm meeting people that not only aren't Christian, but they don't have any experience of Christianity. They don't know, they don't know the Our Father. They, they've heard of Jesus, the name, but they don't know, they don't have any background. They're from, they're from India. They're from China. They're from, you know, uh, Korea. And they don't have this um, Christianity that I've been brought up with from being brought up in a Christian nation in England mm -hmm. and then living in a Catholic bubble for like, you know, you know best part of a decade. So I'm really, I'm really confronted with this. Um, like, Oh, I need to, I need to make sure that I'm living a Catholic life. And, um, one thing that's really helped me with that in that it's been a talking point but it's also helped me spiritually is i guess this idea of living radically but not in your face so i don't know if you've heard of exodus 90. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and so yeah. that's kind of like living from what i understand it's like kind of living like a, a monastic life in an outside of a monastery uh, but with a fraternity and like you know, I look at I look at people like yourself, um, wearing habits, doing things like Catholic underground, and it's like, man, it's so easy for you guys. You just wear a costume, and people ask you questions, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, it's for me. It's like about that. It's about living that life, and I feel like one of the things that is an attitude of people is like the priests and religious do the Catholic stuff. I turn up to mass on Sunday, you know, and that's that's my uh, role. Yeah. Did you find something that helped with like the people who had never heard of Jesus? Did you find something that like a way in? Um, well, kind of like um, I have, I don't know if I've had any breakthroughs yet, but you know, sometimes it's just about planting seeds. And one thing I've been doing because we're doing a, um, you know, nursing degree and it's about, you know, health science. Uh, I just, I just talk about my podcast and we interviewed Christopher West uh two weeks ago and so i've been talking about theology of the body with these people and it's like these people are interested in you know bodies <laughs> because you know we yeah. the health of people's bodies and so yeah. and like even people that are into like you know fitness and i just talk about man like i'm like oh my gosh i interviewed this guy the other day on my podcast and blah 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 blah, blah. and so they're okay okay he's got a podcast that's cool and then i can just talk to him yeah. about what i'm doing yeah and so that's been I've been able to talk about it um, a bit more that way, but uh, I don't know if it's got any made any ground sure. yet. Yeah, can I, I can I just kind of pick up on that and kind of run with it a little bit? Go for it. Because I think that's like you're you're right. Like that's exactly what we're talking about. You're doing it. Like you're just right. You're right on it. And um, I'm gonna plug it in just to the books. I just for the, like continuity. The the first part of what I talk about is basically like. You got a prayer, community, rhythm of life, that kind of stuff. Because uh, really like, the external work is going to flow from our own relationship with the Lord and the church. But like, you know, by our baptism, right, we're all, we are all given a share in, in Jesus's role as priest, prophet, and king. And so we all have, by baptism, we have like a prophetic call. And, and I think you've kind of like, you've kind of talked about it, this whole like being different 
but like attractive. And I look at that. It's like John the Baptist, right? Like John the Baptist was out kind of in the mm. wilderness and he's kind of, I mean, he was, he might've been like a little, a little bit, like if you were doing that right now, I don't know if people would respond as well as they did in John the Baptist's time, like wearing the, <laughs> the cam, you know I mean? Like wearing the camel clothes, not showering, things like that. But, um, but what happens with John the Baptist, right, is he lives like a radical life. People see it. They're curious about it. Like it's provocative, right? I think part of our life needs to be provocative to provoke questions. And then they come to him and they're like, hey, like, what is, like what's going on? What's this all about? And so I do think that like um, first things first, like you have to live a prophetic life. You have to live a, pro- a provocative life. You have to be somewhat different. Um, and so something like what you're doing of like, doing a catholic podcast now now it's like you go to work and you're doing the second part now you're going to work they're like oh hey what'd you do but like you're you're you are a nurse right now um i'm student nurse i'll god providing i'll be a nurse about the year perfect so like you go you go back to school and you're with your you're like your classmates and then you're like oh hey what'd you do this weekend oh i did this podcast with this guy who and this we talked about theology of the body and now like you have like they asked you a question, you did something like authentic, and now like, oh, let's talk about that, right? Like so so living the life, mm-hmm. living somewhat differently, but also when the when the moment comes to not be afraid to like share, like, okay, like what'd you do this weekend? Oh, I went on a re- I went on a retreat and like, yeah, just the Lord really said this thing or that thing to me. Like the problem is that some people go on retreats mm-hmm. first. And then it's like, oh, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, you know, not much. Just hung out with my friends. Like, well, like you're miss you're missing your opportunity if you kind of like put the bushel basket over what Jesus is doing in your life, right? Oh wow, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I was go ahead. Uh, I was just saying, I did a, a uh, talk recently, and I mentioned that um, you know we have the opportunity. So, what did you do this weekend? It's like you could say, ah, uh, you know, I just went to church. You know, or you could say, I went to mass and then they say, what's that? And you could say, ah, oh, it's just like a service. Or you could say, it's the coming together of heaven and earth. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, that's that's one thing I've been trying to do with my Protestant brothers and sisters, because we've got that base level of Christianity. So then I can take them a bit deeper. But then it's like, so, so that was easy for me because it's like, OK, we believe in God. Now I'm going to say some weird things that you'll be able to associate later. But yeah, it's the... Um, right. So people that don't know Christianity, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, yeah, but you got to live it. You got to be willing to speak about it. And there is a part like this. It it is really helpful for you to know what you're talking about, you know. And so some mm. some degree of reading, some like right. So again, that's a perfect one. Is is um because if we're going to mass on Sunday, to have some knowledge, some way to explain the Eucharist, the history, like something like that can go like a long, long way. Mm, mm. Yeah. And like, I think, cause for me, um, I guess one of the conversions that I had after my conversion was the real reality of the Eucharist. And cause I've always been t- uh, toying with this idea of like, you know, how important is theology for my salvation and like i guess on a on a certain level it's not necessary it's like i don't need to read thomas aquinas but i do need to kind of know what thomas aquinas knows in my own way in order to get that deeper relationship and so i can't read summa theologica 
I haven't tried, but I do listen to Matt Fred's podcast. And when he starts reading from the, the Sumo, I'm just completely lost. But like yeah. what I found in myself is I learned stories about St. Thomas and how he would cry when celebrating the Eucharist and how he would stick his head in a tabernacle for inspiration. I'm like, and those, those stories made me pay more attention during mass and then paying attention more during mass, like, you know, what we praise, what we believe, listening to words that are said, listening to note, taking notes to when they're happening and what is the priest doing when he's saying these words, what happens right after that, you know, and those kind of things and just pondering that because you know, I'm, I'm dyslexic. I've got ADHD, so reading books isn't isn't my cup of tea. Um, but uh, you know, I can I can still experience things. I think the most I've ever learned about the Bible is through praying the Rosary and just paying attention to those mysteries. Okay, what's happening in this mystery? You know, okay, put myself in the position of Mary. Put myself in a position where would I be in this situation? And all that I've had, you know some pretty good revelations on that of scripture just through praying that rosary and yeah it does have then i have that knowledge you know and it's not from a book and um mm -hmm. but yeah the because theology kind of winds me up in the sense that um it's really hard <laughs> and therefore like it makes it seem like things are unaccessible yeah yeah and i do think that's you know that's a real thing and it, it is something worth looking at like there, there. We we are blessed, particularly with the internet and sort of the the growth of of Catholic kind of online evangelization. Is there are like a lot a lot of different levels of approaches to stuff that can like meet people wh where they're at. Um, but can I like um, can I can I jump on something that you mentioned a little bit earlier as well, and, and kind of hmm. run with that for a second? Yeah, go for it. Because I think. Because you mentioned, um, and it's a real thing. You meant, and it's true. It's like you like talked about how like we're in a habit, right? Like you go anywhere I go, people know. For, people just like are curious, you know. And some some can be like uncomfortable because it's like this guy's probably crazy. Some are curious. Some like might might make fun of it, whatever. But like I'm telling, like because of where the world is now, like it doesn't take much for you as a lay person to like really stand out. And so I think of examples like, you know, um, Catholic families, which have a couple of kids, like a couple of families who have like a couple of kids and like a minivan or something like that, more and more are getting to be like as crazy, if not more so than a guy walking around in like a 13th century outfit. Right. Or, um, you have like maybe a crucifix a miraculous medal, like those little things, like just that because, just it's not that prevalent in a lot of places like people notice and they pay attention or even better though is um i think like if you don't if you like cut out cussing for example or maybe you cut out gossiping like some of these very little like he, like actual like habits and actions like if you don't do those things you're going to stand out as well and um i had mm -hmm. that with like 10 15 years ago probably i was in college i went out and played baseball with some buddies and um some of them from the church and there was like a new guy who came who, who i was friends with his mom worked at the church and he wasn't practicing and at the end of us like playing he went back to his mom and he's like like who who and he, he asked like who's this kid because like he was just interesting because like he wasn't cussing at all like what's his, what's his story about and so like 
it's not as easy or as weird as putting on a habit, but by, if you will, like <clears throat> practicing like good virtue and stuff like that, people are going to notice. Mm. I was wondering, uh, because like you do talk about the mendicant life in your book yeah. and a big part of that is like a life of prayer. Now being um, a father of two and a student nurse and a podcast host, that doesn't leave me any time. So um, first off, like, like what, what is the Franciscan prayer of life? What does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis? What kind of prayers do you do? When do you do them, et cetera? And like, how would you say that it, it A, informs evangelism, your charism, and also how can we apply it to our own secular lives in the chaos that is family life sometimes? Perfect, great. You know, um, in our own constitution, we do talk about prayer as the heart of our life. It's the most important thing we do. And um, so the, a day a day in a, in a normal friar life will have about between four and five hours of prayer. And so um, kind of like the first, basically from like 6 to 8.30 in the morning, our, our prayer. And so it's like uh, the breviary, the liturgy of the hours, uh, the, or the divine office. Like we pray, pray that together uh, at 6 o'clock. There's an hour for like meditation, Lexio Divina, prayer with the scriptures. Then we get back together, do morning prayer and have mass. And so like the first two and a half hours, more or less, our prayer. We do midday prayer about, about 12. And then we have a Eucharistic Holy Hour together, together every evening from 5 to 6. And then about 9 o'clock, we have night prayer followed by the rosary. Um, and so that's like, a, that's like the weekly rhythm. Once a week, we also have a prayer day. So like Fridays are days generally like more almost like retreat days, more for prayer. And then once a month, we take an actual like about 48 hour uh, like personal retreat we call hermitage. And so like that's like particularly as religious, the first our first call is prayer. Our first call is like intimacy with Jesus. Um, and everything's got to flow <clears throat> from that because right like I use this language like the product, the product of the Franciscan Friars of the Rule, the most important product isn't Catholic underground, isn't this talk, isn't this video, isn't whatever. It's the, it's the man, it's the friar. Like that's what's most important. Um, and so that's like, so our formation is first and foremost what, what we need to focus on, which comes primarily through prayer, through our life of like penance and poverty and through community life. Um, and so that's, that's, that's ours. Um, what it's going to look like for somebody like yourself, a lay person, a busy person, it's going to be like totally, it's going to be very different. And that's like, that's, that's real. Um, but you gotta, you gotta have some personal prayer time every day. Um, you know, it's, I, I, I do think like, I think the image of um, like a plant or something like that. Cause right. Like um, the, the spiritual life is the real life. And if you were to like, for example, you had something that's like a plant, you had a rose, natural, like you can kill the rose by poisoning it, or you can kill the rose by cutting it in half, uh, but you, or you can just kill the rose by not watering it, right? And, um, and that's the same for the soul is, is like sin, mortal sin. Sure, those can, those can, those can really hurt us and, and kill the soul or the life of the Lord in the soul. Um, but so can not receiving like not praying not being in relationship with god like slowly but surely um we're gonna end up in trouble mm. 
Yeah, I guess it's it's it is more difficult than uh, just putting on a habit, and there's a reason for that because I liked what you were saying about um, the fryer being the product and not the the ministry that you do. Uh, I think that's really profound. Like, how would you recommend that we could um, work on our own product being, you know, us? Yeah, yeah, excellent. And I do, I do think that's the starting place is right like um first and foremost all christians are called to conformity to god they're they're called to allowing jesus to live our life in us um like that's that's the primary vocation it's relationship it's intimacy it's transformation um and so it's it's the life you live right it's the life you live and so i think um like prioritizing and and fighting for realizing like that it might be a real fight like prayer like relationship um, paying attention to like what you put in, you know what I mean? Like as far as like what you, what you watch, what you do, who you like all, all this sort of stuff, like just being serious about your soul and your spiritual life, I think is probably like a good starting place. Um, my, my proposal for people, if they're like not praying at all, um, like my, my hope is that we can get to 20 minutes of prayer a day is sort of a baseline. Um, but it, like, if that's like really like a huge reach, like, can we, can we start with like five minutes in the morning? Can, or, you know, like, can, can we just like, can we just start there? Um, and then like, we can start a plan and like, okay, maybe we do that for, for a month or two. Then next month we can try and add another five minutes. But like, I just think like seek first the kingdom of heaven, like, and everything else be, will be added to it. Like, can we just get some prayer time at least five minutes every morning. I think that that was a great place to start. What's a good example of like a five minute prayer we can start with? Yeah, and so there, it's up to it's up to people. Um, I probably the easiest thing to do would be to pick up whatever like the gospel reading of the day is. Like that's going to be available on a lot of different websites. Or there's a lot of devotionals which give that. Maybe read like read the gospel or I'll probably say, say a prayer thank God for the day. Um, kind of entrust to him, whatever it is, like your needs, your family, your concerns, whatever's coming ahead and then read the gospel. Just, just maybe twice, just sit with it for a second. See if the Lord says anything to you. One more prayer and then you're, you're, you can go about your day. Um, but I do think, yeah, some sort of conversation and some contact with the word of God um would would be a, a great if you will like spiritual breakfast yeah 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 it's cool so in your book you talk about you you take us through a like a, a process of the things you like the, the different chapters you go through uh yeah. which are kind of leading to that holiness could you just take us through those so just like the chapters like the flow yeah yeah okay well, and it, there, there, to some degree, there is like a priority or like an emphasis on purpose. So like number one is prayer um, because that's, that is where it begins. Um, number two, I, I don't remember the, which one, if it was number two or three, because I gave a different talk series with different order. I think community life, like family, um, right? Just discipleship. It's a team, like it's a team sport. Like when Jesus called disciples, he called, he like made a group of people. Um, we just were not me meant to make this journey alone. 
and so I do think like um, kind of being faithful to like your family and all that is like super important. Uh, and then number three is some sort of like, we, I use the term like living liturgically, but like, like, you know, paying attention to, and I, and I offer that as like a, a place of direction, uh, of, um, like it, it communicates values to us. Like, like Sunday's gotta be different. Sunday's gotta be different than the other days. Like Friday, Friday for Christians, right? Friday is the day when we remember the Lord's passion. Like we remember Jesus dying mm. for us. Like Friday, Friday has got to be a little bit different. And then there's just the different seasons. Um, from there, there's a little bit of like, like kind of a an invitation to looking about like at simplicity, or I use the phrase like um, contentment, because because for us, in our like rule, it says the friars are be, to be content with the minimum necessary, not the maximum allowed. But just to pay attention to the reality is that everybody only has so much time. Everybody has so much energy. And the more time and energy we put into accumulating and maintaining stuff, um, like the less time we're going to have for relationships and the less time we're going to have for prayer. So just like taking a look at like, are you unnecessarily um, accumulating stuff or spending energy on, 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 external things which you which you don't need um and then we get into like okay like we like uh matthew 25 i was hungry and you fed me i was thirsty and you gave me a drink like the role of serving the poor in the christian life and in the evangelization of the world um and then from there i get into our priest prophet and king like as priests we're called to um to make sacrifice and like how we can start to pray for uh, especially those in our families or our friends who are really struggling. Like um, John Paul II says that prayer united with sacrifice is the greatest force in human history. And so how we can live out our call of the baptized of all Christians and kind of access the greatest force in human history, uh, the prophetic witness, evangelization, and then like as king, like governance, particularly like I, I focus on like just looking at your lifestyle and how you're living. And um, I use the, the the image that everybody has baggage, but you want to get it down to a carry on. Like, are you, are you making life harder than it needs to be? And can we take a look at that? And then finally, it's just, it's, it, I call it the mechanics of conversion of like, what is the stuff that actually happens for us to have long-term behavioral change? And just take like, because I think um, a lot of us aren't, aren't following Jesus the way we want to not, because we have a sincerity problem, but because we have a strategy problem. And so like, let's take a look at maybe like developing a little bit of a better strategy so that we can follow the Lord and be the disciples that we want to be. And so that's, that's the flow. That's cool. Uh, yeah. I like it. Cause you know, we, you kind of talk about like, like prayer, but it all leads out of that intentionality of that. Like, I like that living liturgically. Um, yeah. It's something that I, Again, it's I don't live the life I want to because I'm terrible. I never know what day it is, so I can't keep solemnities and things. <laughs> but it's like again, that's that's like it's one of those things I can sit with and be like, oh, yeah, I'm just one of those people that never knows what day it is. It's like, well, maybe I could be one of those people. <laughs> you know, what do yeah. I need to do right. to work that out? And that would be something where, um, like, you know, if, if you are, like, you know, like your morning prayer, if it's, if it's like, based off of something like the Liturgy of the Hours or, like, just the, the daily Mass readings, is, like, it gives you a little, like, 
a little like kind of easy practical way to get in touch with like what's going on in the world of church like what saint what day whatever um mm. you know because like for for a lot of people i think in the pandemic right like there was a lot of jokes when everything was shut down like i have no idea what day it is but because of our prayer life and how it like rolls out into some of the other practices we have like like i know that like monday monday is like you know the joyful mysteries right tuesdays we're praying the sorrowful mission mm, like yeah. there's just all these ways in which we the days of the week take on an extra meaning and direction because of our our prayer yeah yeah there's a uh, catholic young adults community in auckland and during lockdown they did a holy hour every morning on zoom and it was the uh, readings of the day um morning prayer and the rosary and yeah mate it kept me on track because uh, for that very reason it's like oh i prayed sorrowful mysteries today that's what's either tuesday or friday no. right. <laughs> um, yeah. but also like you know finding out more saints and you know you're taking you deep in your faith and i think you know coming back to you know what i was talking about earlier is like that 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 terrifying theology you know you know it's, it's a big it's a big word and it's a complicated topic but it you know I guess that all comes out of prayer as well. Um, I suppose because we're in Lent, I kind of wanted to ask you a bit more about the sacrifice element of things. You know, we're called to be a priest, prophet, and king. And I'm going through Exodus 90 right now, which if those of you don't know, basically for 90 days, you take all joy out of your life and you just pray. Uh, <laughs> um, it's, but it's based on a monastic life. And so what does sacrifice look like for just the average Catholic on the street. Um, is it a case of, you know, because when people hear, hear, hear sacrificing, they think, oh no, we're going back to like, you know, self-flagellation and, you know, I'm only allowed to drink water or no food at all type thing. And this is way too intense. But what, so what does sacrifice actually look like? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll respond kind of in two parts. One that's a little bit uh, more maybe accessible, tangible, and then one's a little bit that it's super real. Um, so like to get super practical, super practical is um, like I'm all about like, again, like, like basically like I think about like what is your primary intention? Like what's the primary like if it, it could be for your children, it could be for work, it could be for a loved one. And like, can, like we could and we don't have the power to like get in there and like maybe like change their mind through argument or whatever but we can have influence in their life through our prayer and sacrifice. And so I did this with Catholic underground and I'm all about it. It's just like for an extended period of time, just make like one very small sacrifice. And so that would be something like, um, whatever, like I'm not going to have like peanut butter for three months. or I'm not going to have chocolate chip cookies. Like this isn't, this isn't like, I'm going to take cold, you know, this isn't the cold shower route. This is like something small for an extended period of time with prayer. Uh, and I've seen that just do unbelievable things um, in people's lives. And so I think something like that is like really, cause it's not, it's not like, like we have to do like super hard, difficult things for God to like hear our prayer. It's just like these little things, like little acts of obedience, I think can go a long way. But really for most of us, for most of us, um, the biggest thing that we can do is like like Jesus on the cross. Just keep like totally like receptive to what God sends, and um, 
I think that and like to offer that, to offer that sort of like that heart with like hands wide open, totally receptive to to life. I think that's probably the best and most beautiful and pleasing sacrifice we can make as opposed to having life get a little hard or things go wrong. And it's like we turn our back or God, we cut off that relationship. We like get overly complaining, things like that. I think just saying like, Lord, like Mother Teresa, I receive whatever you give and I give whatever you take with a smile. I think that is probably the height of, of Christian sacrifice. Mm. Yeah, because I think this, the main struggle, I know I find this is with the sacrifice, is it's that joyfulness that you have to maintain. Yeah. Um, I was I was walking up the hill to get picked up by my friend the other day, and like I'd had a rough week, and I, but I was just praying, and and uh, she's like, "Is everything okay?" And like I didn't realize, but my face was like. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> like what's happened to you it's like oh i was just praying but then i was like i have had a rough week and it's obviously this the joy isn't welling up and <laughs> manifesting yeah. in my face um so if you any joy of the gospel even so i almost keep our suffering a secret in that sense well and just like to keep that relationship like it's like because i think there is space like, you know, there's definitely space and it's appropriate to share some of the things, to reach out, to ask for help, like 100%. Um, but okay, Lord, like, I, I don't like this. I'm not, I don't like this at all, um, but I love you and I trust you and um, just help me make the next best step. I think that kind of like open disposition is 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 where we want to be. Um, so like, basically it's like life is really hard but the sacrifice of still talking to God about it, I think that that's that's a beautiful thing we can do. Yeah, it's simple, but it ain't easy. It's no, no, because, and that's the Christian uh, life. Mm, mm. It's like it's one of the things that I, I really, as I was entering into like twenty nineteen, we you know change of career, buy a house, have a have a kid. It was like one of those moments where God was like saying, you need to step up, you need to really do it. And um, it was like the, the, it's the most difficult thing I've ever done, but the most joy I've ever felt in uh, in my life. Um, and I wouldn't change it for the world, but like, yeah, it's trying to, doing it on the big scale, it's easy. It's like, I'm obviously making a sacrifice here, you know, but it's, it's those day-to-day -day things, you know, that, you know, I guess we all struggle with. But I suppose that comes in with the whole living liturgically, having a life of prayer, you know, um, one of the things that I heard on one of our other podcasts with Matthew Tague earlier, end of last year, was, you know, prayer is objective. And that's really been like, you know, a solace for me because there's times where I'm like halfway through in Our Father and I was like, was I doing a Hail Mary? <laughs> like, yeah. And I don't know what, you know, or I don't feel like praying, but I should and I just do it and it's like, okay, I guess I've ticked that box kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't, we don't want to underestimate the value of just showing up and just yes. like, okay, you know what I mean? Like I'm here, this is Lord, I'm, I'm giving you, it's not, it's not much, but I'm giving you all I can. Um, like, you know, the Lord is the Lord. When he talks about who gave like the most beautiful sacrifice, it was that little widow who gave just the two, the two little coins, mm. you know, if it's like showing up and just trying to give the Lord your best but it's like two little coins but you're showing up 
Um, the Lord's told us he receives that. Yeah, that's awesome. So I think that's about all we have time for. Um, if people want to get in touch with you or they want to follow more of your stuff, where can they find uh, more content of yours, Father? Yeah, I think the best place to go would probably be our Instagram. So that's CFR underscore Franciscans or um, franciscanfriars.com. Cool beans. And, you know, you could uh, maybe with the prayers of the people, uh, if New Zealand, we might get the CFRs over in New Zealand and uh, we can hang out sometime. Yeah, you get a couple pe more people doing that Exodus 90 for that intention. Watch out. Oh. Okay, well, I'll, I'll get the fraternity onto it. Okay, so thank you for coming on the podcast. I uh, really appreciate that. And thank you, everybody else, for tuning in to another episode of Curiously Catholic. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do like, share, subscribe. If you listen to us on a podcast, comment, give us good reviews, only positive reviews, please. And if you want to find out more about the mission of Evangelion, please go to our website, evangelion.co.nz. And our mission's on there, the podcast's on there, our blog's on there, and all the events that we have coming up. Uh, we're currently talking about doing a conference at the end of the year, so stay tuned for that. And for those of you that have nothing to do this evening, Encounter at St. Patrick's Cathedral in Auckland is happening. We have Doug Tuck as talking, uh, giving a speech all the way from America again over Zoom. We have the Sations playing music, and of course, we have our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ truly present in the Eucharist. So check us out, uh, like, share, and subscribe, and see you later. God bless.